Well, good morning, sunrise. Welcome to worship. Welcome to church on this beautiful, sunny summer Sunday morning. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand with us this morning. And welcome to you guys online who are joining us for worship. Well, this morning, I don't know if you guys saw on the Facebook page, but we, uh, our worship team, we've been preparing a new song we'd like to introduce this morning. It's a song called Promises, and um, it's been a favorite of mine for uh, several months now, and um, actually, Carissa, it's one of her favorites, too, and she keeps pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. Dan, introduce this song, introduce this song. So today's the day. This song is um, a song, it's about God's faithfulness and um, the promises that we read throughout Scripture, how... Um, all the things he's done for us and how he's been faithful throughout our lives and throughout time. So I would like to teach this song to you guys today. We're going to sing through this, um, the chorus of it, and, um, and then the, the, we'll get started and the band will play the whole song. But um, for all of you low bass singers out there this morning, this chorus is for you guys. So why don't you guys um, hear these words? So Greg, go ahead and flip it to a chorus. Um, great is your faithfulness. I'm going to teach you guys this. This is how it goes. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. So why don't you guys go ahead and sing that with me. And great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting, same I will praise Great is your faithfulness to me. Awesome. Let's sing this together. what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same i will praise your name great is your faithfulness to
day to age Though the earth may pass away Your word remains the same Your history can prove There's nothing you can do You're faithful and true Though the storms may come And the winds may blow I remain steadfast And let my heart When you speak a word It will come to
sun to the setting, saying, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Amen.
Turn and go 
pray with me. Oh, Jesus, you are magnified in this place. We declare your greatness this morning. We love to sing of your praises and express our thankfulness to you. God, thank you for your faithfulness towards us and for your promises to us. You're so good to us and you've shown us so many times in our lives. Let's take a couple minutes to think on God, when God has been faithful in our lives or in your family. Express right now just your gratitude towards him. these promises from scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you a rest. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God, thank you for these promises that we can lean into. When we find ourselves in a, a place where we're struggling or we feel beat down or in a dark place, God, we can look back to these scriptures and remember your faithfulness and your goodness and the times that you have pulled us out. And we will know, and we can know and trust that you will never give up on us. You will always be there for us, guiding us, protecting us, and making a way for each one of us. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, um, if I didn't say earlier, my name is Dan Dupuy. I'm the worship director here at Sunrise, and I also head up a community life uh, ministry here at Sunrise, too. I have a couple of announcements for us, but first, before I get, through those, get to those, I um, want to welcome all of our guests. If you are here in the service for the first time, or if you're joining us online for the first time, I want to say thank you for joining us today. If you're here in service, there's those QR codes on the back of the chairs. If you're online, a little um, link will drop in the comments in just a second. You guys can click on those things or scan that QR code. That'll bring you to a spot on our, um, our website that will um, have a little form there. You guys can fill out the questions that we have for you. You can ask some questions of us. We just want to help you to feel welcome here and at home and feel right um, welcomed here. So that is that. A um, couple of announcements. First of all, the uh, youth event that was scheduled for um, this past week was rescheduled for this coming Tuesday. You can see all the details up here on the screen. So Sunrise students, Come on out for swimming, chili, and grilling on the 17th. That's Tuesday night from 4 to 9 p.m. 
Um, it was canceled last week due to lots of severe weather um, on Wednesday nights. So that was kind of crazy, but Tuesday's looking fantastic. Lots of sun and warm weather. So come on out for that, students. Um, also, I remind you, in a couple of weeks, two weeks from right now, we'll be worshiping not in here, but over at Hager Park again. Each of the last Sundays of the month this summer, we've been worshiping over at Hager Park. So we'll have some signs over there if you have not joined us at Hager Park before, but you kind of just go to the entrance, drive through, keep going on the main drag for a little while, and you'll see us on the left down in the older section um, further in to Hager Park. So join us at 9 a.m. in two weeks for that, and announcements are done. Come on up, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, everybody. My name is also Dan. I am the shorter, not as good-looking, less intelligent Dan of the two. And I heard no one disagree with that. Thank you so much. Um, uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Hopefully we uh, create a safe environment for you to join with us to help engage some of the questions that we want to engage well. Here at Sunrise, we make it our aim to transform the world with God's grace and love. And so in part of doing that, we want to create an environment here that offers uh, God's grace and love to you and to me. Uh, I want to also point out a couple of things that are newer that we've just started doing. Uh, out here on a small bulletin board just to the right of the exit doors are a couple of things. Some of you have asked to know what the birthdays are for some of the people in our church. Uh, that's listed here. For those of you who are concerned about folks knowing how old you are, we did lop off the years. So it's just the month and the day. So grab these if you want to. That's the place where you'll find those in print. Uh, that's also a place where we can find out some of the needs of the people in our church and also let folks in our church know about some of the ways we can help each other. So I have a card here that is exactly what it is you'll find out there. There are pens and stuff too. And there's a, a place to put your name, your phone number, and then you just check a box. I need help with or another box I can help with and then a, a blank there that you can fill in for any kind of details. So if you're interested in making chocolate chip cookies for the staff, you would grab one of these and you would say, I can help with. And then you just write in there, chocolate chip cookies for the staff. And then we will call you and say, hey, we need some help. Now, this particular card that I have in my hand is from a woman in our church who's let us know she needs help. That's the box that she checked. And the details are these. I need a ride to church and home from church each weekend. Now, I don't know who can help out with this. We could spend our time in the office calling all of you and asking, hey, can you help pick someone up? But we know that some of you already have a heart that beats for this kind of ministry. So this is the card. I have it up here with me right now. If you're interested in learning more about these details, you can find me right after the service. If you can't find me, just look lower. And then after that, if you don't find me after the service, I'll pin it back up on the bulletin board. I know that some of you have uh, the time, the capacity to help someone out in this way. And so check out that board occasionally. Uh, stop by there. Maybe you have a skill that you don't know if it'll help people. Uh, but there are things that we could use help with, whether it's things like chocolate chip cookies, like I said, and that's just a joke. But um, there are folks who will make uh, prayer shawls for people and take them to them in the hospital. There are folks who help out with meals here at the church to help families uh, who are in need. So there are bunches of different ways that you can plug in. Uh, Use that board as often as you can. Check that out on your way in and out of our building. Um, so back in 1840, I believe that was the year. Um, Mike, that was, you were there for that, I think. Your early 20s? 41, okay, my bad. Um, back in 1840, uh, Baptists got together uh, to have a meeting. They had to have an important conversation 
about what it was they wanted to be as they moved forward. And the topic of disagreement was slavery. See, there was a a group of people south of the Mason-Dixon line, and some just north of it, who wanted to have a church that allowed slave owners to not just be part of the church, but to lead the church, and for Africans who had been forced into slavery to not be welcome. And then there was a group of people who said, no, 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 we need to be a church who pursues what it is God has for his people, and that is the freedom that we offer in Christ. And that freedom extends also to freedom as a citizen. And that group of people got together, they had a council to decide what it is they believed that God had for them, and out of that council, out of that conversation, Baptists split. And so we have Southern Baptists, this group of people who, when they were started, wanted to have a church that did not include black people and that would allow slave owners to be leaders in the church, meaning this, any leader in the church, whether you consciously think it or not, is someone who you are putting up as an example for the people in the church to follow. And so that was a point where the church split. In 1852, I believe was the year, uh, Reformed people got together and had a conversation. There were four congregations who decided that they could no longer walk step in step, in step with uh, the other Reformed congregations that existed. Uh, topics that came up were around the purity of doctrine, uh, whether or not children went to public schools or Christian schools, and that led to a split. And in 1992, the Christian Reformed Church was formed. CRC believes that children need to go to school in private schools. At least that's what their stance was when they first started as a denomination. There were other issues there too, but that was very important. RCA said, look, let's leave it up to the parents. (laughs) You decide if you want to homeschool, send them to Christian school, send them to public school. But the division there was such that as they had a council and got together to talk about it, the church split. I grew up in a Baptist church. We decided that it was important in our documents to say things like, we've gotten together as a church leadership and have decided that the topics of what the end times look like, topics of how many days it took to create the world, are important enough that if you land over here, then you land outside of our church. And if you land over here, then you land inside of our church. And so what that church, the churches that I grew up in, did, whether they knew it or not, is they came around to have a conversation about what was in bounds and what was out of bounds, and the result was, you're in or you're out. Now, we all grew up in spaces where we could see these kinds of conversations, whether they're large councils like the one where the Southern Baptist Church and the other Baptist churches got together and were formed, whether it was the CRC and the RCA being formed, or even today with the Presbyterian or Methodist church being split and forming new congregations. We can also look at the times in our own lives where we've had conversations with family and friends, whether it's about masks, or politics, or minorities, or whatever. And the conversation is one where we come to it jointly on Facebook, and it leads to a split. This is not the way things should be in conversation. 
So the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted, and this news made all the believers very glad. Okay, pause button here. First followers of Jesus were primarily Jewish. It was scandalous for people who were Gentiles, that is, anybody who's not Jewish, uh, an American, a Chinese person, a Venezuelan person, an African person. It was not okay for people who first started following Jesus for us as Gentiles to be people who would follow Jesus. It is to us, it is to your children, to your spouse, to your grandchildren that the words, you have to be physically mutilated to follow Jesus, would have been told. So along the way, as Paul and Barnabas are going to have this conversation, they're telling people about the work that God is doing among the Americans, the Spaniards, and so on. And followers of Jesus are glad about this. I would like to suggest to you that that is a key feature of true followers of Jesus, that they understand that the transformation of God's grace and love extends beyond the people who are just in and also to those who are outside. And it causes a feeling of joy that God's love has extended to the people that our own love struggles to reach. So when they came to Jerusalem, remember, this is still Paul and Barnabas, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them. God works through his people as they reach out to those who are outsiders. And there are stories that are accumulated and can be shared in the church and that the church responds to with either, yes, praise God for that, or, wait a minute, we got to control this. So here we have Paul and Barnabas who come to a group of people, and here's the situation. Some of the believers, this is followers of Jesus, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Followers of Jesus include even those who want to put too many restrictions on other followers of Jesus. Here's what that means. There are some of us within earshot of this conversation right now, whether in the room or watching online, who could belong to the party of the Pharisees, meaning this. Do you follow Jesus? Sure. Are you someone who is so committed to the rules that it could be difficult for you to hang in this conversation in such a way that you come to the conclusion that Paul and Barnabas are trying to lead the people of God to? Yeah. Does that mean that all of us should throw a rock at you? That's why we have rocks outside on the building, by the way. No. Absolutely not. Pause button for a second. Anytime these kinds of conversations happen about who is in and who is out, there are people on both sides who will say, we've got to have strong rules because we've got to keep the church pure. And there are people on the other side who are good as well who will say, but God's love and grace is so rich and so deep that it welcomed me. Let's come together and have a conversation. It is not a bad thing for there to be tension around the conversation about who God loves. So this group stood up and said, they've got to be circumcised, they've got to follow the law of Moses. And so the apostles and the elders met to consider this. And I have this slide twice. Here's what they go on to say in their conversation. Bird's eye view into the room where these leaders are discussing it. God did not discriminate between us and them. 
between us as Jewish followers of Jesus and these outsiders who really should have nothing to do with Jesus in Scripture called Gentiles. For he purified their hearts by faith. Right here you have no argument of they made themselves good enough. (laughs) They learned the language of our country. Or they decided that they would or would not wear masks. Or they decided that they would give up these cultural norms to embrace these. It says God loved them and purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Conversations like these require that you and I come to the table with a heart of humility. Some of us grew up and have backgrounds that we would never want anybody in this room to know about. Our hearts are full of greed. We've done something that if the people around us knew about it, we would feel humiliated. There are people who are addicted to pornography. There are people likely in this room or online who have been abused or who have abused. And we come here struggling to follow Jesus well if we have decided to follow him, hanging our lives not only on Jesus but on the songs that we just sang where because of his great love for us, when our own lives as we look at them are so messy that it would repel anyone, God instead came close and said, you're mine. And if we can acknowledge the grace and love of God in our own lives, then we come to these kinds of conversations using the same language that these people of God used. Why would we try to test God by putting on the necks of outsiders a yoke that neither we nor any of our ancestors have been able to bear. It's very clear in all of Scripture that Christ's work on the cross, giving himself up for us to the point where he gave his life, was humiliated, was buried, and was resurrected, resurrected did not come with prerequisites before it could extend to you and to me. There was not at the cross, nailed to the bottom of Jesus' body, a notepad where you could take a piece off and fill out a questionnaire and answer the questions, what kinds of things have you done? What is your background? What's your political affiliation? What is your sexual orientation? It is the cross of Christ where there are no restrictions found. And instead of finding a God who puts his hands like this to the people who we want to put our hands out to like this, we find a God who through the Son of Jesus opens his arms widely and says there are no preconditions. This is the proper understanding of who God is. This is the understanding that the people of God have in this conversation. They go on to say that we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. 
It is my judgment, therefore, these are the words of James, he's the one who's presiding over the council, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In uh, Christian bookstores, you'll find all kinds of books that help us answer the question, how do we embrace Gentiles? That is, the people who say that they follow God, who we might not feel comfortable having in our churches, who we might not feel comfortable saying, yeah, they're okay. I'll just snag a couple of these books that I've read recently or in the past that help us fill out this picture a little bit. This is a book called A Journey Back. Uh, This is a book written specifically to people who follow Jesus who have been imprisoned for any number of reasons, stealing, um, embezzlement, criminal sexual conduct. And this book is written to help the church struggle through what it looks like to create a space where those people are able to be welcomed and loved by God. This is one of those books that's like a mini Jerusalem council in a binder. God in the Pandemic, N.T. Wright. This is a conversation to help the church answer the question, what do we do with people who respond to the needs of the pandemic in ways that we don't? How do we handle that well? Some of us have made an us and them line that separates us from the people who have decided to wear masks or not wear masks. This is a mini Jerusalem Council conversation in a binding. Color of Compromise. This is a book about uh, American churches and racism. What has been the relationship between the church and minorities? There are people who have drawn lines and said, if you say this phrase, then you're out there and you can't be in here. And I'll let you fill in the blank on what that phrase is. There are people who will draw lines and say, if you are present in this country in an illegal way, then you are out there and we are in here. I hope that as I go through these, you can see and feel that we have the same kinds of tendencies to draw lines. This is a book called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. This is about people who grew up in the church. They've been hurt by the church. And this becomes a creative way for us as the church to answer the question, how do we help people who have stepped out of the church feel as though they are welcome to come back into the church? Another Jerusalem Council conversation in a binding. Torn by Justin Lee, rescuing the gospel from the conversation about LGBTQ plus people. This one's a tough one. Some of you right now are thinking about emailing me, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm turning off my email this next week. If you want to talk to me, you can come in with chocolate chip cookies. We'll talk. This is a conversation that you've probably had around your tables. What do we do with the LGBTQ plus community? This is a joke, but raise your hand if that's a conversation. This is a Jerusalem Council conversation in a binding. You have, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. This is a conversation on politics. I disagree with you about Republicans, Democrats, independents, communism, Marxism, capitalism, whatever. I disagree with you, but I'm listening. This is specifically written to help us not view people through the lens of in and out, but as a person with humanity who deserves a conversation and who deserves at least enough welcome to erase the line enough to hear people's perspectives. You have Karis by... 
Preston Sprinkle. This is a guy who goes around and he has conversations with churches, with Christian organizations, again, about the LGBTQ plus community. This one's a hot topic for us. We don't want to talk about it, or we do want to talk about it on Facebook. And we want to throw rocks. We want to draw hard lines. But there are people who have said, you know what? I want to create a space that's like the Jerusalem Council, where we can come together and look at our own lives to help us see that we have received a grace from God that is so strong that it's welcomed even us. What does that mean as we approach other people? Finally, you've got spiritual and religious. This is by N.T. Wright, The Gospel in an Age of Paganism. What does it look like to talk with people who have absolutely no desire to follow Jesus, but they have an extremely high desire to be spiritually engaged in the things of this world? How do we have these conversations? How do we become a church that allows those people to come here? And the question that is around all of these kinds of books in my mind, whether the authors are aware of it or not, is this. Should we make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, here's what I want you to imagine, okay? I want to imagine that it is on this room right now to answer this question. How should we, as Sunrise Ministries, respond to those people out there who say that they want to follow Jesus, but their lives don't look the way that we want them to? What is it we should say to them? The church is watching, not just in West Michigan, but around the world. The church needs and wants to know how is it we should be responding to these people. Go ahead and have a conversation. How do you feel about that? Yay! There's a lot riding on this conversation. There are families who are trying to do the best they can to understand what Jesus taught, who are committing their lives to try to follow him well, who have hopes and dread about what it is that's going to be said coming out of this Jerusalem council. What are the conditions? Have I met them? I know enough about the faith that these people hold that Back in Egypt, all that people had to do to be saved was to put blood over the doorposts of their homes, and yet it seems that these people who have embraced that story and have lived in it are now telling me, I can't just put the blood of Christ over my home, I have to also check these boxes. What will we do? We have found our refuge in Jesus, but if this whole church says to us, that's not okay, you're not in, what are we going to do? We don't know exactly how long the conversation happened, but we know that this all, of course, came to a conclusion, a conclusion that was shaped by the apostles of Jesus, those who walked with him, who saw him as he approached a woman who was accused of adultery, and instead of throwing a rock at her, gently welcomed her to stand up and told her, go and sin no more. They also saw Jesus as he was in the temple, and he decided to not just say gently to the people who were taking advantage of poor people, please stop doing that, but he instead flipped tables and used a whip to get the animals out of his temple. So in those two situations, I asked myself, why is it he would say very gently to someone who committed adultery, go and sin no more? 
But then to the people who are oppressing others, he flips tables. Which of those probably was more difficult for Jesus to see his people bearing? So having all of these stories in mind, understanding their world, which is one where (laughs) you had temples that were literally, well, of course, they were built for the purpose of worshiping the gods of the people at that time. A commonplace thing was to have a temple where you had, of course, the priests who would help the folks coming in worship the God who was there, but you'd have all kinds of prostitutes too. And we don't like to talk about this kind of thing in West Michigan because our kids, we want to shelter them from things, but the fact of the matter is there were places like this building that were set up for people who followed gods, pagan gods, to come in to eat the meat that was sacrificed to these gods because that meat somehow brought down to the person who consumed it a blessing from the god to whom the meat was offered. And you would engage sexually with people to somehow gain the favor of the gods who were there. I don't understand all the the theology that's there. You also had temples where instead of prostitutes, you had goats, and the same kind of things happened. Go back and Google it. Careful what you Google, but it's there. It's this kind of thing that is happening. And so you have these churches, these synagogues, these groups of people who have grown up embracing the heritage of their families, uh, the Jewish heritage that says there are hundreds of laws that we must follow. Every church knew what those laws were and they were following it. You had all of these temples. We bracket around them, you've got different branches of pagan temples, a whole bunch of them, like there are a whole bunch of different Baptists. But all of them were set up the same way, so that you could eat the meat that was sacrificed to a god to somehow get from that god a blessing. And somehow, through some convoluted way, you purify yourself by defiling another person or an animal. But then in the middle of that, you have this small, growing group of people who say, that's not the way following rules, and that's not the way. And so what is the way forward? The apostles, the elders, are forced to give a well-articulated statement that will shape the church all the way up to now and to the lives of our great-grandchildren's grandchildren. And here is what they say. We should write to them, that is, these churches that have this question about what to do with Gentiles, those outsiders who we're trying to figure out if they can even be followers of God, they write these words, abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Abstain from food polluted by idols, that is, this food that is in these temples that are created to worship a God and to get a blessing from him and from the sexual immorality that is involved in those temples. Stay away from those things. Why? Because the law of Moses has been preached in every city that is over here. You've got the law of Moses in all of these synagogues. It's been preached here from the earliest of times and it's read in the synagogue on every Sabbath. (laughs) And that's it. That's what they say we should write to these churches. Is that enough for you? When it comes to the question of who can be a member of our church, 
when it comes to the question of who it is that can follow God, are we willing to say, like these people did, who we're told were the first followers of Jesus in a book that we believe is inspired by God that tells us not just what historically happened, but is also the way we should be living and breathing and moving in a world where we want to follow Jesus, are we okay with saying it's not about the rules and it's not about going the way of the world? Are we okay with that? So they write a letter to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you. We understand that there were some of the Pharisees who are with us who went to you with the intention of bringing you to Jesus, but they troubled your minds by what they said. Remember what they said was that you've got to be physically mutilated to follow Jesus. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. All right, get to it. (laughs) What are you going to say to me here? Did I get the job or did I not? (laughs) Am I able to get into this school or not? Did I get the scholarship? What's going on? Just get to it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. It seemed good to us and to God based on our life that we have lived with Jesus as he lived, based on our understanding of the scriptures, based on our desire to create a loving and gracious space where the kingdom of God is made known to the people of this world, it is good to us and to God that we should not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. Stay away from the stuff that these groups of people are telling you that you should be doing because that pulls you away from God. You'll do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Are you okay with those conditions? Are we okay with understanding that the groups of people who we want to hold at an arm's length are the same people that God not only wraps his arms around but opens his arms out widely enough to show his love for them by taking on him all of the consequences of the chaos that is in this world. Are we okay with a God who doesn't say to this part of the world, you're not good enough, but you are. Or are we okay with a God who says, all of you, every one of you, for you it should not be difficult for you to follow me. The counsel that happened on this day made a decision not just for those people at that time, but for all of us even now. And so when you go home, when you get on Facebook, 
You interact with those groups of people or that person to whom you have put an outstretched arm. My question for you and for me is, what would the first followers of Jesus, what would Paul, what would Barnabas, and what would James say to them? And in light of that, what will we say to them? Will we be a church, a people of God who open our arms widely? Or will we be a church who does this? God, we come to you today recognizing that the only reason we have a good standing with you is because of your son. That we can't do anything that causes you to love us more. We can't do anything that causes you to love us less. God, we live in a community in West Michigan, in the Western world, in just the globe, where life is one where we have to do our best to get acknowledgement, to get praise. And in a world where we have to get good enough grades to go to a school that feels like it would be our paradise school, or we have to look a certain way for our friends or our teammates or our spouses to love us well, it's really easy for us to think that you do the same thing, that we have to fit into a certain category, that we have to physically mutilate ourselves in some way, that we have to follow enough rules to be loved by you. And God, I pray, would you please help us see again and again and again your truth where you gave your son for us so that whoever would believe, regardless of background, regardless of future plans, regardless of the language we speak, regardless of our preferences, would be saved. So God, chisel away in my heart and the hearts of all of us the desire to Draw lines where you just don't. To humbly and graciously and truthfully engage the world around us in a way that offers your transforming love and grace in just the same way that you did as your son walked this earth. It's in response to your great love for us that we can sing songs like our life is built on your foundation where our hearts can (laughs) burst with joy, with relaxed shoulders, because you've welcomed us when it feels as though we've not been welcomed anywhere else. Whether we know it or not, God, we know that we're here, (laughs) whether we are conscious of it or not, we know that we are here to be your body, to be the voice that says to those who are accused, sin no more to be those who when we see oppression happening in your church or outside of it who are willing to flip tables and free animals (laughs) in order to show people your love and your grace in this world God you say that in James if we need wisdom that we can ask you for that and that you'll give it to us freely. So God, give us wisdom in this. It's difficult to walk through this life well with 
folks who fall on either side of any number of topics and to represent you well. So help us do that. In the midst of all of this, God, I know and you know that there are people in this room who are listening, people who are online, who are listening, who have very difficult circumstances in their life right now. They're in the hospital, they're mourning the loss of someone, they're welcoming new life into their homes, they're walking through joblessness, they're wondering where you are, who they are. God, be near to them in ways that they feel your presence. Where your nearness is more to them than just a cognitive realization, but a a feeling of love that comes from you. Use us as a people who communicate that to your creatures. In Christ's name, amen. At the end of every service, we sing. We give people an opportunity to financially contribute to helping us transform the world of God's grace and love. If you came planning to give, you can do that in an analog way back here in the bucket. You can do it electronically with the QR code there. You can come in when you bring cookies and drop it off then. (laughs) We try to create space after the service for all of us to engage with God in a way that's meaningful for us. So as you sing this song, or as you listen to the words of this song, May they wash over you as a reminder of God's grace in your life and as a reminder of the grace that God asks us to bring to the lives of others.
We do not believe in rules. We do not believe in just doing our own thing. We know through the teachings of Jesus that we can't serve rules, we can't serve whatever we want to do and God at the same time. And so these words for us should be anchored deeply into our souls so that as we walk back into our worlds, wherever that takes you, we would be a people who are centered on Jesus and the love and the grace that he offers. May you do that with God's grace, humility, and strength. We love you guys. Have a great week.